Welcome to another episode of the Gonzo Chronicles. This is Cyrus Alderwood. Today's June 15th. Can you believe this? I did an episode yesterday. Today I'm bored off my ass and I'm doing another one. So be it. The market is closed. It is 4.40 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm bored off my ass. I have nothing to drink. And I want to talk about the top 10 foods that were invented by accident. You're not going to believe this. Yeah, I got bored enough and looked it up. Uh, but hey, I'm going to start off uh, the episode today. Um, this is episode 71. Can you freaking believe that? Also, this week I haven't pissed anybody off on Twitter. I don't know what I'm waiting for uh, or why I haven't done that yet. I mean, it's an easy place to uh, you know chap the asses of the masses, but you know, yeah, I haven't done it. Um, there was actually this is kind of kind of cre- kind of creepy, but kind of crazy, but. Um, those of you that know I'm into like weird stuff, I go to the blackvault.com. Great website. There's all kinds of stuff on there from freedom of, uh, freedom of information documents, um, different case files on weird things, like whether it be UFOs, aliens, um, cryptozoology. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff that's dropped on there, like military things. So um, inv- there was over, I want to say, Four or five hundred thousand pages dropped uh, just yesterday on the blackvault.com in regards to Air Force history. And any of you who are really interested in that, I actually thumbed through some of those documents. I'm not going to get into it because I don't know how many people that listen to this show would be interested in that, even though we talk about all kinds of strange things. But uh, nonetheless, it was really interesting if anybody wants to go jump on the blackvault.com and spend some time. Looking through some of those uh, documents that dropped uh, based on a Freedom of Information Act request. Uh, really cool stuff. Uh, one of the things I also noticed is there it popped up in the news um, because of uh, Reddit, actually, reddit.com. Uh, the Phoenix Lights, that's back. Uh, several of you remember from the, from the 1990s when lights on two different nights were located or spotted over Phoenix, Arizona. Look like a giant V-shaped aircraft just by the lights. And uh, a lot of people at the time, CNN covered this. Uh, every every news outlet covered it because it was so weird. And it looked like a UFO. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of the former mayors of the town, actually, of the city, um, began, I guess, dropped out of uh, business. And I think she was a doctor. And uh, really just kind of focused on studying the, the Phoenix Lights and investigating that mystery. Um, I'm going to read an article to you from, uh, this looks like NBC News, from March 23rd, 2007. And then I'm going to tell you why the Phoenix Lights are back in the news again, which is kind of crazy that it is uh, because of Reddit. But Reddit's been quite a popular website here lately. Uh, This is from the Associated Press, March 23, 2007. Former Arizona Governor Fife Symington, who trotted out an aide dressed as an alien 10 years ago, which would have been 1997, uh, to spoof the frenzy surrounding the mysterious lights in the Phoenix sky, now says the lights were actually an alien spacecraft. Now a pastry chef and a business consultant, Symington is keying in on the anniversary of the sighting of the so-called Phoenix Lights by reversing course. 
saying that the lights were really extraterrestrial and that he saw a UFO himself. I'm a pilot, and I know just about every machine that flies, Semington said Thursday. It was bigger than anything I've, I've ever seen. It remains a great mystery. Other people saw it. Responsible people. I don't know why people would ridicule it. During a news conference in 1997, Semington, a former Air Force captain, then in his second term as governor, told the assembled press that an alien had been captured. He then ushered out Chief of Staff Jay Hyler, dressed in a costume complete with oversized head and eyes. This just goes to show that you guys are entirely too serious, Semington said at the time. Later that year, he was convicted of bank fraud charges stemming from his bankrupt real estate empire. The conviction later was overturned, and he was pardoned by President Clinton in 2001, before federal prosecutors decided whether they would retry the case. Semington recently told a UFO investigator making a documentary that he hadn't acknowledged his own encounter at the time because he didn't want people to panic. He repeated the story in an interview on CNN and other media, saying the craft he saw was enormous. It just felt otherworldly. In your gut, you could just tell it was otherworldly. Hyler, who says Semington is one of his closest friends, said he isn't surprised he believes in UFOs. A Trekkie who enjoys discussing space travel, Hyler said Semington is convinced that Earthlings will travel to distant solar systems at above the speed of light in our lifetimes. Hyler said he remained the earthbound skeptic in those talks. The lights, which appeared in a V-shape um, March 13, 1997, as they moved across the sky, were widely explained as flares dumped by a military training flight, though many still doubted the government was telling all it knew. Tucson astronomer and retired Air Force pilot James Magaha said he investigated the two sightings over Phoenix that March and traced them both A-10 aircraft flying in formation at high altitude. It was clearly aircraft in formation, flying at two different times and then dropping flares as it's clear to any rational person. That's what it was, Magaha said. Magaha said Semington is not a trained observer and what he feels in his gut doesn't make any difference. Well, that was interesting. As I read that article, I started thinking back to what I saw on TV myself those two nights. And the the formation was absolutely enormous. It would be bigger than any ship I think I've ever seen in all my years of watching documentaries on you know, military aircraft. And, and not that I'm an expert by any means or any stretch, but I found it fascinating that somebody else would say it was flares. I recall also seeing on one of those uh, debunking shows where uh, they, they chose to look at the, the Phoenix lights and investigate it and do their own, uh, I guess, simulation where they would drop flares to see if the flares would actually burn in perfect order of a V formation. They could never get them to do that. So my opinion, were the Phoenix lights something extraterrestrial? I, you know, maybe. I would lean more toward that than anything our military did because I think after, you know, what I watched and doing a little bit of digging and reading, I don't think the uh, argument that they were, mil that they were uh, 
uh, flares would hold up. Hold up. Just I don't. I don't think it does. So the fact that somebody would still use that argument uh, just just tells me it's like that's that's the canned argument. That's that's the uh, rebuttal. Not really buying it. However, the reason the Phoenix Lights are back in the news was uh, actually from two days ago. Now, Reddit is a website. A lot of people know about Reddit. The reason they're really in the news lately is they've. This has been a, a place where people would gather and they and they they drum up certain stocks like GameStop that uh, that you'll see is getting talked about on Reddit a lot, and people are going in and buying the stock for the company GameStop and running it to like enormous values. And now they're doing the same thing to AMC, the movie chain. So, you know, I, I take. I take Reddit and things I see with the, you know, things like that with a grain of salt because anybody that works in the business of you know, investment advising or finance can look at those two companies and look at their stock values and tell that they just don't match up. <laughs> um, however, on June 3rd, uh, a couple days ago, uh, a photo, and this is from the blackvault.com, a photo was posted on Reddit and um, the Black Vault is actually. A Phoenix Light photo. So Black Vault, according to this article I'm reading on Black Vault, they reached out to uh, the witness, as they you know, throw quotes around that, who posted it, and began to do a, di a deep dive into the origin of where that came from. And they attempted to piece together a story. Is this a real legitimate photo or is it not? Because this photo was getting a lot of traction. Um, so according to the writer of this article, what they said, it was a bit of a rabbit hole that looks like a hoax after some deep digging. There were obvious signs up front and according to this article, but my approach has always been to exhaust all possibilities. And this is by uh, John Greenwald. And this is actually written today. So um, you can go to blackvault.com and you can find this on there. Uh, so one of the things that he noticed was Look at the JP, JPG files, the raw files available at the link above, according to this article. The metadata states that the photo was taken at 826. The identical photo labeled as, you know, certain label.jpg did not have the lens flares, was taken at 825, one minute earlier. Anyway, he noticed anomalies in the, uh, in the, in the files itself, and um, he said he just kept digging. And the, and the update was they kept reaching out to the, this person shortly. He, this is what he said in an update on this article. Shortly after I posted this investigation, the Reddit user, and I'll not give the user's name here, deleted their account after having it for 10 years. This is another highly suspect action and more in line with what I would expect from a hoaxer. Moral of the story, always follow the evidence and always keep pushing. Now, you know, for those who are interested in the, you know, the the topic of UFOs and ufology. This is this is kind of a you know again a black eye to people who take it seriously, uh, who do really good research. Because here you have another hoaxer that's just blowing smoke up people's asses for fifteen minutes of attention. And what for? I mean, did they honestly think they were going to sell these photos and get money for it? Because I mean, they just posted the photos online, giving it away for example, you know for starters. There's nothing to be gained, really, other than a bad reputation when you get caught for hoaxing uh, you know, photos, for doctoring up photos. 
Um, yeah, so that was kind of disappointing because that was such, uh, I think, an important case that still needs a lot of serious investigation because uh, I'm not buying the arguments of it being military. If you do a deep dive into this and, and, and do some digging yourself. So, um, yeah, it's just kind of frustrating. I hate that's, I hate that's why it's in the news. But, you know, I guess it, it is what it is. Hey, another terrible thing I wanted to bring up. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Internet Movie Database. And I'm going to look up uh, the actor Ned Beatty. Do you guys remember Ned Beatty? Um, anyway, Ned Beatty, he's been in everything. <laughs> he, he's actually one of my favorite actors. Um, because he has such a wide range. I'll just go to Wikipedia for some reason. Um, I'm going to go down to his... Uh, he's been on television and film for years. Ned Beatty, he died over the weekend on June 13th, and uh, which was Sunday. And uh, he was 83 years old. Now, younger folks may be like, yeah, who's this old guy? What movie was he in? What, you know, He was from Louisville, Kentucky. Died in Los Angeles. Uh, and... Um, one of the newer movies I think he was in was, uh, remember that movie Shooter that had Mark Wahlberg in it? Uh, anyway, he was the guy who played the senator in that one. Um, so he was actually a really popular um, popular actor. I'm pulling his films up right now. Actually, this is what I was thinking. I, I remember reading somewhere that his first film was Deliverance in 1972, and he played uh, Bobby Trippy. You know, you always hear people make fun of the movie Deliverance, and it's like, you know, squeal like a pig, boy. You know, that that famous line, well, that was delivered on him. Um, you know, who, who knew he was going to be tied up to a tree waiting on uh, Burt Reynolds to save his ass? I wonder if he actually read the script. <laughs> but that was, from what I read, that was his uh, first acting job. So he was probably thrilled to death to get that and be working with uh, Burt Reynolds, who was just a huge, iconic actor. Back in the you know in the seventies and early eighties, but some of the other things that he was in, I was looking through um, some of his uh, some of the movies, All the President's Men. That was a classic film from nineteen seventy six. Um, he was in Network, and some of you may not remember the movie Network, nineteen seventy six. Do you remember the line "I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore"? Famous line from a movie that was a that was a Ned Beatty movie. Uh, he was also um, in Silver Streak, which was hilarious. I don't know if you guys, uh, Gene Wilder was in it. Richard Pryor. Uh, that was one of the funniest movies ever. Um, so he was he actually worked alongside them. He was in The Exorcist Part Two. I did not know that. I couldn't remember uh, when I read that. I was like, no, I, I don't remember. Uh, but apparently he played, was he a cop, Edwards? Um, then he was in uh, Superman. This was one of my first, my first experience with a Ned Beatty movie was Superman with Christopher Reeve back in 78. I was a tiny little guy, and I was so enamored with Superman. But Ned Beatty actually played Lex Luthor's kind of dumb sidekick for all intents and purposes. Great movie, though. Um, he was also in Superman 2, um, 1981's The Incredible Shrinking Woman. Another hilarious movie 
with Richard Pryor, he, the toy. He was in the toy. Uh, he was in Stroker Ace, also with Burt Reynolds, kind of back again with him. One of, one of my favorite movies ever, Back to School, my favorite comedian of all time, Rodney Dangerfield. He was actually uh, in that movie, Back to School, with Rodney Dangerfield in 86. And because he liked Dangerfield so much, uh, I think he worked with him again. He was in the movie called The Big Easy, which was a big movie back in 1987. And uh, had Dennis Quaid and Ellen Barkin in it. And yeah, Ellen Barkin, she was she was really one of the... Uh, one of the hottest ladies of the 80s, if you ask me. Um, but I'm trying to see anything else that might be, that might stick out. A horror film called The Unholy. That was a really interesting film. I, I know we talk a lot of horror movies on here. Uh, that was a great film. Uh, Ned Beatty was also in that. He was also in, um, let's see, Ministry of Vengeance from 89. Uh, a Cry in the Wild. He played a pilot in 1990 in A Cry in the Wild. That was a, that was a good movie. Uh, they did a, a kind of a spoof of The Exorcist called Repossessed. And that was back in, uh, let's see, 1990. And uh, they they had to bring um, uh, Linda Blair back into it. But they brought Leslie Nielsen, the guy from, you, you remember all the funny, hilarious movies that Leslie Nielsen was in. Anyway, he was in it. It was called Repossessed. That was that was funny. I remember watching that a couple of times. Um, here's an award-winning film, Prelude to a Kiss. He was also in that. And um, since get a little closer, Cookie's Fortune was a big movie. Uh, they did a remake of Where the Red Fern Grows in 2003, which was which was a, a that was like actually I've seen that. That was a good remake actually. That had. Uh, Dabney Coleman also in it, who's another great actor. And then uh, 2007, uh, Shooter, that had Mark Wahlberg. Um, since then, I think Toy Story 3, he did voiceovers for those. Um, Rango, he was a voiceover in Rango. So a lot of kids' movies, too. So, you know, he had such a range, and he was actually one of my favorite actors. And he does, uh, he did a lot of um, uh, narration for documentaries. So, so these, you know, he's... Uh, He's been busy in Hollywood ever since he got there. So, you know, from Louisville, Kentucky to L.A., California, uh, man, Ned Beatty, salute to your career, sir. That, that's a heck of a, a bunch of accolades for that guy. He was a great actor, and, uh, you know, he'll, he'll probably be missed. He was a, you know, he, he certainly chose some good roles. I don't know if all of it depended on him, like, choosing Deliverance, but uh, anyway, that set off a long string of, successful movies and and working relationships with people and you know to this day you spot him actually you know what i he, i remember he played in roseanne I th some of you that watch that show correct me if i'm wrong um I, uh, so do i know my audience or what um did he play the father of uh john goodman in the roseanne show i'm thinking he did and um i don't know why that sticks in my head but Anyway, if I'm wrong, I'm sure one of you guys will let me know. But, uh, yeah, Ned Beatty. Not to be confused with Warren Beatty. <laughs> but, uh, you know, good, uh, good stuff there. Um, so I just heard about that this morning, actually. I thought, man, what a, what a bummer, you know. We've had celebrity deaths lately, and I've mentioned a handful of them on, our, on the podcast here on our show. And, um, you, know, you, you hate to hear that, especially with the ones that you 
you really like, you know. Um, but hey, let's let's do a quick top ten, and then I'll knock off the show for today because I know I don't like to drag on when I don't have a guest on. But top ten foods. This is really interesting. Top ten foods that were invented accidentally, and it uh, brought to. I'm doing some digging here, and I found this quote by Mark Twain, and this is incredibly true. Accident is the name of greatest of all inventors. That didn't make sense the way I said it, but anyway, yeah. Chocolate chip cookies makes the list. You get, get this. Here's the story behind the chocolate chip cookie. I, I love these things. If I had a plate full of them, I would eat them right now, and then when I'm done with that, I would eat the plate. But uh, it was actually uh, accidentally invented by a lady by the name of Ruth Graves Wakefield in 1930. Now, what she was doing was she was cooking a batch of what they call chocolate butter drop dew cookies. Uh, but after um, she realized halfway through the process that she was out of Baker's chocolate. So what she did is she just broke up some pieces, uh, pieces of a Nestle chocolate bar. And boom, chocolate chip cookies were invented. All right, here's another one. Something you have to sit on the couch and eat. Potato chips. Yeah, those were accidentally invented. Uh, a chef by the name of George Crumb, 1853. Uh, here's how the story goes. Uh, he invented potato chips by accident uh, when a customer at his uh, Moon Lake house was just bitching and moaning about the fried potatoes. They were not thin enough. And he kept slicing these things repeatedly, just thinner and thinner and thinner. And then he decided to slice the last batch of potatoes as thinly as he possibly could. Fried them. Tossed salt on them, sent them to the customer. Well, the guy ate them, loved them, and that was our first ever batch of potato chips. Um, one of my favorite things from being a kid was being out in the sun, playing, coming back home, and mom handed me a popsicle. And I it wouldn't have any other, like, other than the uh, red one or the banana one. Because I was a picky little bastard. Well, anyway, popsicles were accidentally invented. Um, 11-year-old kid, uh, Frank Epperton, in 1905, invented these. It was a hot summer day. This kid's out and just burning up, playing. He, he, he left his mixed soda and water with a stick in it and then forgot the drink, <laughs> and then uh, which um, left it outside overnight. The cold, I guess it got terribly cold that night. Um, so the next morning he goes out. He found his drink uh, frozen um, in, in the glass and the wooden stick coming out of it. And then he named it, actually, the Epsicle. But I guess this kid decided to continue what he was doing and called it the Popsicle from that point on. Uh, one of my favorite things, I don't know if you classify this as a food, but yes, beer was accidentally uh, created. It was discovered about 10,000 years ago, as legend has it, and as researchers will tell you, in Mesopotamia. The invention uh, happened while they're trying to store grains for their bread, but because of the dampness of the storage space, it caused the fermentation. And I guess some of them were brave enough to uh, taste the drink, and beer was invented. Long live Mesopotamia. <laughs> Uh, ice cream cones. 
this is another accidental uh, invention. Uh, the ice cream cone was invented at uh, the World's Fair in St. Louis in 1904 by a guy by the name of Ernest A. Hamley. That's a weird name. Uh, it was discovered when an ice cream vendor at the fair ran out of uh, the bowl to serve the ice cream in. And he saw the vendor next to him who was selling waffles. So this became the idea of spinning the waffle into a cone uh, to shape like that to put the ice cream down in. Uh, the idea of serving ice cream into a cone like waffles seemed compelling to the customers. And, well, we've been eating it ever since. <sighs> here's, here's one of my addictions. i got to admit that I've had. No, not drugs. Coca-Cola. My God, man. I, I could put away soda, and that's not a good thing. But Coca-Cola was invented in 1886 in Atlanta. Uh, during the Battle of Columbus, uh, Pemberton, um, who was uh, John Stith Pemberton, who was a pharmacist, he invented this stuff. He became uh, injured uh, during the Battle of Columbus, which led him to get addicted to morphine. So to cure his addiction, he researched, experimented on these painkillers that would serve as a drug-free alternative right, for his addiction. So eventually, after a bunch of experiments, he created the syrup from cocoa leaves and cocoa wines. Uh, he named the syrup as Pemberton's French Wine Coca. But later on, in 1886, due to a ban on alcohol, a non-alcoholic version of this wine was introduced, and uh, that's when it got its name, Coca-Cola. So pretty interesting. Uh, now, how if you got if I don't know, we have steak lovers out there, uh, Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire. Did I say that properly? Anyway. This was accidentally invented in uh, Worcester, England, right, 1835. Uh, so this was a guy by the name of Lord Marcus Sandy. He was the former governor of uh, Bengal, India. So when he returned back to England, um, he found himself just craving his favorite Indian sauce. All right, so he appointed uh, these drugstore owners, uh, one guy by the name of John Lee, Another guy by the name of William Perrins, I think you see where we're going with this, William Perrins, to recreate it, but uh, because of the strong odor of the sauce uh, from the vegetable and fish mixture, they decided to store it in the basement and forgot for two whole years that it was even down there. So I guess the aging period changed the flavor and the sauce, and it became just a, um, a big hit with the customers. So that's how Lee and Perrins Worcestershire sauce. Now, any South Park fans out there? Any Cheesy Puff fans? Yeah. Cheese puffs, cheese curls, whatever you want to call them. This was accidentally invented. But this is kind of weird, though. Um, the uh, accidental invention of cheese puffs happened by an animal food manufacturer uh, called the Fle uh, Flecall Company out of Wisconsin. This was in 1935. The staff there, they fed this... This really like wet or moist corn into the grinder to uh, reduce the clogging in the machines. Well, anyway, Edward Wilson, who was an employee at the corporation there, he noticed that the moist cornmeal came out in puffy ribbons, right? So he decided to take it home and add some seasoning and make the first cheese puffs out of this. No kidding. That's kind of gross, but he did it. Um, anytime you go out to eat, you know, you have to have an appetizer. So, yeah, 
one of my favorite ones, nachos. Accidentally invented. During World War II, um, uh, which, um, well, this, I guess it was uh, accidentally invented by Ignacio Anaya. That's the name I wrote down here. Who was a major? He had a restaurant called uh, Victor, Victory Club in uh, Piedras Negras, Mexico, which is near Fort Duncan, according to my notes. So he got a, a host. Uh, he got to host a group of these really just I don't know famous U.S. soldiers, their wives, some party, and uh, Anaya decided to cover the plate of uh, with grated cheese and sliced jalapenos and what they call totapos, and presented it as an appetizer. And the cuisine was actually called nachos, after Anaya's nickname, Nacho. So, yeah, pretty neat, huh? All that because they were hosting some U.S. military folks and families down in uh, Mexico. All right, cornflakes. <laughs> yeah, Kellogg's cereal. Um, this is probably, I mean, this is probably the most consumed breakfast item, right? In America, maybe, you know, one of, probably one of the biggest selling breakfast items in the world. Uh, 19th century John Harvey Kellogg, who I think is actually buried in Cincinnati at Spring Grove Cemetery, if I'm not mistaken. I think I stumbled upon that grave when I was working on a book called The Night Walker. Uh, in 19th century, um, John Harvey Kellogg, along with his brother, uh, he and his brother, Will Keith Kellogg, attempted to make a food item to stop, and I'm not kidding you, they tried to make a food item to stop masturbation. But they accidentally left the wheat to dry out, and it flaked. Flaked it dry, and it produced what they called wheat flakes. So after the discovery in 1906, uh, Will Keith Kellogg decided to experiment by switching from wheat to corn and marketed it alone uh, to invent evergreen breakfast option cornflakes. Um... So, yeah, what do you think? Kellogg's, I, this is crazy. Like, I have frosted flakes up here. That stuff was actually invented to stop masturbation? How weird. How freaking weird. So, I, I'm sure there are so many other foods out there that I don't even know about that have been, <laughs> that have been uh, invented by accident. What kind of bizarre stuff do you guys have? I know, I, I know we got to pretty eclectic audience that listens to this show. So what say you? Oh, hey, before I go, um, I'm going to spoil something for you on Netflix. So I put this thing on my uh, watch list. It had, uh, uh, what's his name in it? Nicholas Cage. Oh, well, that's who they said started. And uh, it's called Jiu-Jitsu. So I watched a little bit of the trailer. It looks kind of interesting. I don't really have much of a trailer to it. I'm just like, well, I'll watch this. I think I saw three seconds of his face at the very beginning when they pick up some guy out of the water. And what they do is, I guess, they're in this foreign land, um, Miramar, I don't know, somewhere. But they, um, this lady drops off this uh, this white dude at this, with these uh, U.S. soldiers that are nearby because she doesn't want the trouble of her having this guy in her house. She doesn't know who he is. He's been cut up, beat up, whatever. So anyway, I have no idea what the hell this movie is about. I gave it 30 minutes. I never saw Nicolas Cage's face again. 
All I see is one fight scene to the next. The guy doesn't know who he is, but all it is is one fight scene to the next. No explanation of why they're fighting, what they're fighting for. It just, it's almost like someone said, hey, let's make a kung fu movie without a plot. <laughs> That's exactly what this POS turned out to be. I gave that thing 35 minutes of my time, and I had to stop. I had to stop. I could not. And then when I read, you know, the the uh, description of it, I'm like, wow, this is a, a description. I'm 30 minutes in, and there's nothing remotely in that description of that movie that fit the first 30 minutes. What a waste of time. What a, And it's lousy. I mean, I'm not shitting on the actors because I know these, these folks work hard. They get a role. They, you know, they, they're trying to make a living, too. And they were, you know, I'm not. The acting wasn't bad. The choreography wasn't bad. The fight scenes weren't bad. It's like, it's like, why the hell give me a Kung Yun? Why give me a martial arts movie 30 minutes without a plot? <clears throat> Unless I'm watching some old uh, you know, Bruce Lee. <laughs> you know, I'll, go to the, I'll go to the Kung Fu channel on Pluto to watch this stuff. But no, this was just bad. Don't waste your time. The Irregulars, like I mentioned yesterday, good. Two thumbs up. Give that one a shot if you're into a series. But uh, this one, yeah, I'm gonna give this one a real hard pass. Even though I tried to give it, a, I tried to give it a shot, but yeah, just yeah, sucked. Just sucked. I don't know. I need to come up with a rating for movies from like yeah, one to ten, or like you know, three categories: tolerable, kicks ass, sucks balls. I mean, those are the only three choices. Anyway, folks, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Gonzo Chronicles. I'll be back soon. You never know when I get warden want to share retarded stuff with you. Anyway, have a great day, everybody. See you soon.